Hi, Tracy. Well, hi, Sharita. How are you? Not too bad. How you doing? Good. Welcome to Docs That Rock. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> our, our weekly podcast in which we review spectacular documentaries. Yes. This week we're going to review Won't You Be My Neighbour? Yes. About Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Oscar-nominated documentary about Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I really like it. But before we do that, how was your week? It was good, thank you. All is well. I do have a big reveal for you on our stats. Yes, please. Because you know how it jumps around a lot. Oh, it's crazy. And sometimes it can be Australia, New Zealand. You know, we never know really where our biggest listenership is in a particular week. Where was it? It was somewhere in the Polar Vortex last week. That's correct. Where was it? It was in the... Um, Massachusetts. Lowell, Massachusetts. Wow. I know. Well... They're still on the list. They're still in the top five, actually. But we are back to Winchester, Virginia. Oh, wow. As number one. Winchester. Oh, this documentary about Winchester. Yeah. Is that about, that? Yes, about the uh, woman who inherits the Winchester fortune. There's also a horror film about it, which is quite good. With Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. She builds this crazy house. Yes. She was an amazing woman. I know. In the very wrong way. And there are so many documentaries about that story. I love that. So, but that's our number one listenership right now. But that's great fishing. I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Hi, listeners. Hi. And then London. London, we baby. Might, we might know some people in London. We know three people in London. We do, but they listen a lot. <laughs> London calling. <laughs> and then Wellington, New Zealand. So, And then New York, New York. So it's all good. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's actually really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm quite proud of us. I know. It's not just us talking to us. <laughs> yeah, there's at least 10 other people listening. At least 10,000 other people. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, God. Right. Okay. Okay, Better watch what we say. Let's not think about that. We'll not just to um, have a chat. Not that it ever bothered us in no, the first place. ever. <laughs> and we do have a great documentary this week. Yeah. And shall we play the trailer? Please do. Okay. A television program for children made its unauspicious debut on station WQED in Pittsburgh. Its host, Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers? Yes. Yeah. I want to tell you something. What would you like to tell I like you. He take all of the elements that make good television and do the exact opposite. You have Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Low production values, simple set, unlikely star. Yet, it worked. Hello. I've always felt that I didn't need to put on a funny hat or jump through the hoop to have a relationship with a child. He was always trying to get a message across in every show. A week on death. What does assassination mean? A divorce. Some people get married, and after a while, they're so unhappy that they don't want to be married anymore. He was radical. I know everyone says that, but he was radical. They didn't want black people to come and swim in their swimming pools. My being on the program was a statement for Fred. A neighborhood was a place where, at times, that you felt worried, scared, unsafe, would take care of you. Had a singular vision of kindness and love. 
love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Well, I suppose it's an invitation. It's an invitation for somebody to be close to you. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. So cute. Oh, Teresa. Oh, Teresa's getting emotional again. You know I have what? to get the sock puppets out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> I want a hug. <laughs> you know, I mean, I really love the dark side of life. And I celebrate that because it tells me more about human nature and stuff like that. What struck me about this documentary I suppose my initial thought about this documentary is that I found it, I found him as a character. By the way, in Ireland, we don't really know who Fred Rogers is or Mr. Rogers. We've never really seen Mr. Rogers before. The only time I would ever have encountered Mr. Rogers before would have been his words on 9-11. And uh, we'll discuss it later on Mm. when he spoke in front of Congress. Congress, Yeah, yeah. his dress contract. And that would have been it. But I had some kind of knowledge about it. In watching that trailer, I was completely sucked in and immersed in the purity. Because he doesn't shy away from the dark side of life. He teaches children resilience and emotional intelligence from a very young age. And that is so important. And I think that I find it very admirable and in equal proportions hard to believe. Um, and I suppose I do that because I'm <laughs> of a certain age who lived through loads of scandals where everything that we would have held to be pure and innocent and great and had good values would have been, you know, kind of tipped away at or kind of found not to be the case. But Mr. Rogers, to me, epitomizes the ability for a young child to develop the skills to deal with anything, anything. And that's why he's fundamentally important to how we talk to our children through television and how we approach child's entertainment. Yeah, I I have two major sad issues with this. I have two unfortunate statements of truth that I believe play into it. I'm sorry to go into this at the beginning, but number one, in today's climate... You would never have a Mr. Rogers as no, a host of no. a TV show with kids. And number two, I sound like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> and number two, um, he he spoke to children directly. He never made them feel like kids. He always spoke to them on a, on a higher level. And a sophisticated language as well. Beautiful. That they completely fell in with and understood. They loved his honesty. That cut to the core of everything. But I wonder if you could have... A show like that today, not only because of Mr. Rogers as, as a, a, an older male, but also children are different. 
they're different than they were in 1968. They're more sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, I wouldn't say they're... I don't think they are more sophisticated. I think they're less sophisticated. And I think they're more interested in gaming. Oh, okay. I okay. Think, I think it's it's not a good comment to make because I would like to see it return to the other, the former <laughs> environment where you would talk to them about being outside, playing. I think a Mr. Rogers type show, if it were, if it were penetrating today, would be an altogether better show for them to be engaging with than online gaming. But that makes me sound like an an eighty five year old woman. No, it's a, it's a real concern. Because, but it as is, you and say, it's sad yeah. that that's that maybe is not possible today for that to happen. Okay. Well. Well. Do you know what? There's, there's a broader question about... I, I love the fact when you watch this documentary, it starts getting you concerned about broader ways in which... Societal issues that, that we're tackling. And right at the get-go of this discussion, we're talking about very broad how people raise their children in today's society and how it's changed since those many years ago. I think that what you're getting at is the fact that when we were, when I was a child, I was outside of the house. I was out playing in fields, but we were interacting with other kids. We were in big groups, and there's a fear that that doesn't happen so much anymore, except of organised sporting activities, and that like bowling alone, um, that famous book, we are a collection of individuals rather than a society. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Absolutely. But I mean, just to bring it back to basics. This was a TV show for kids using a lot of uh, fantasy, a lot of sock puppets, little characters, little gimmicks, and uh, it had a formula which it followed. But very much so, it, it hit home with kids and with parents. Mm-hmm. And you could see the kids just flock to him all the time because everything he said was was honest. He didn't pl- He didn't dumb it down. He didn't try to yeah, make to his language very simple. Yeah. Ju- he didn't do any of that. No. And if if someone had presented that show to a network executive that wasn't, if he hadn't done it personally, I don't think they would have allowed him to do this show because on paper it looks ridiculous. It's like well, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, an older male who's a neighbor coming in to meet all the children and talk to them. Like it sounds very suspicious, even <clears throat> even in nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, no, agreed. And uh, um, I just think his, his the the force of his personality, and the force of his love for and children purity, yeah. and understanding for children carried that all the way through. And it was eight hundred ninety five episodes. Yeah, it's crazy. He was very intellectual about the way that he approached it. He went to the Pittsburgh University Child Studies. They were doing a lot of child studies there. In particular, Margaret McFarland was conducting her studies and he worked with her to derive what would be the best way to get his, I suppose, values across. And his missionary or the way that he kind of talked about religion and God because he was, you know, an ordained minister was to provide a structured show that was very inclusive in which every child would feel that they were valued or loved. And he did that in very small ways. From the very outset, he would walk in, he would take off his jacket, he'd put on a sweater or a cardigan, uh, he'd sit down, he'd change out of his work shoes into a pair of more comfortable runners, he'd feed his fish. He fed his fish because there was a girl who was blind who was concerned because he'd talk about his fish, but he never heard her feeding them. 
So he would say, I'm feeding my fish at the start of every episode. Oh, it's just so lovely. You know, I just think he he would talk about the trolley would leave and it would go around and it would go into make believe. But Mr. Rogers was never in make believe. Anything could happen in make believe. When the trolley came back out, it would bring a message or a story and Mr. Rogers would then sing a song to interpret what would happen in make believe and bring it back into reality. And through those stories, he would teach resilience and emotional intelligence to kids around the world. And it was very clever. It was a simple format. He did it very well. He did it very effectively. He tried to do it for adults later on. But it was it, it, it was just incredible. I've never watched a full show of his, but I want to actually sit down. I've watched Bosco. We had Bosco in Ireland. You've never watched the show? I've never watched the show. I mean, even from the short time I spend in, in the States, I, their reruns were on constantly. Yeah. So it was always on. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Saturday Night Live always used to do um, parodies of it. Oh, really? So that's how I first got to know about it. But... Yeah, but, it, but I mean, hundreds of millions of children were watching this show. Just grew up with It was with huge. Mm. Yeah, it was massive. I, I was left with the sense that he had, he had an extra special sense of people in general, um, of children, but also adults, everything. Do you remember when we were doing Into the Abyss and we talked about the heart of a man and the ability to see into the heart of a man, like Werner Herzog, was, Mr. Rogers got that right down when he can see into the heart of a child and he can just emote on that level where like he was I don't know he was in some place and there was a load of kids and this kid came up and said the ear fell off my doggy in the automatic washer and he immediately saw that as being an invitation to kind of see well how do you deal with that or whatever and he kind of looked at it as if like oh it fell off the doggy, but it's not going to fall off. Like, ears don't fall off humans, and they don't fall off. The, my leg's not going to fall off, and my arm's not going to fall off. And then the kids start thinking about it, and the way kids start thinking about it. He had that way of talking to them in their level and involving them on a level that they could understand. You, do you know that everything yep. was okay, and they could be safe, and he could kind of bring it back, and it was all right. And it's a lovely kind very, of... Very, very few people ever in the history of the world have an ability to speak to millions of people. Now, this happens to be children, but millions, and make each feel as though he's talking to them. Just them. Yeah. That's a very special quality. Yeah, him and Aretha Franklin, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a great, it's a lovely documentary, and it's an important one for us to remember in light of today's consumerism and commercialism and... You know, a return to simple things. Like the sock puppets are not sophisticated. They don't have... But he said... Low, this, low, low tech. No, yeah. they don't. No. Low production values. The sock puppets are a way for him to talk in this way. It's a lot easier. But it's also how in play therapy, kids talk and say things through the puppets. Like when we were kids, we used to have Barbies or whatever. And we would say things through the Barbies. That if parents were listening, they'd understand what was going on in their lives, you know. But he also directly spoke to parents when certain issues would occur and asked them to step up and not shy away. It's it's okay for kids to be angry. It's okay for kids to have emotions. It's it's the ability to control them. 
and find out what you do with the mad inside you. He you know what he was full of contradictions, but they all worked. So he would say, "It's important to talk about things." So and he would touch on controversial subjects like divorce or grief or Death. the loss of a pet. Yeah, and say or lost it's, a, children. it's it's good to talk about it. Yeah, and then at the same time he would say, "It's okay to be silent." I loved his use of time, <laughs> and I loved the way that they talked about it. Mm. I think the most powerful things, you know, you know, when something happens and they have a moment's silence, and you're sitting there with your thoughts, and you have to focus. You can't avoid silence. You have to focus on whatever it is that you are commemorating or remembering or whatever. You're just taking that moment. Uh, to kind of just acknowledge that something has occurred and he would often say to take uh, they end this documentary on the way like it take a moment take a minute to think about somebody who meant something to you you could who loved you into loving who smiled you into smiling you know who taught you into teaching uh, someone who helped you along your way and it's such an emotional thing because it's all part of building the resilience and finding the control so when someone's absolutely out of control having a very scary emotion they're terrified they're angry they're afraid to be comfortable in silence is how you bring yourself back down yeah no yeah he doesn't say shy away from silence in any way he says celebrate it it's a delight and this is like this is what a a minute sounds like and you you want to know how many egg timer yeah it's just so beautiful Mm. so lovely like so it is it's a lovely documentary gorgeous mm. um, of course he wasn't all like smiles and stuff the man was made of steel and when they threatened to pull the funding from the well Nixon threatened to pull the fun- funding from the public broadcasting yeah, from service yeah. he sent um, Senator John Pastore to get everyone to speak at Congress I know and that is an amazing piece of video footage 10 minutes I think he had he got longer than most people mm-hmm. and you can tell when he goes to speak that they are not willing to listen to this but they've mm-hmm. been forced to listen and they say well you know give it your best shot or whatever but we're not really convinced and he starts speaking and what I liked about that is that he could have come out <clears throat> with anything a rip roaring you know, <clears throat> let's change how I normally speak for them because this is a different environment but he didn't Mm. and that was the genius of that speech he really for a man who we find out later on the documentary possibly doubted his way and doubted his strength and doubted his ability he had a quiet persistence that won the race you know and he articulated why he's doing it what he's doing Maybe just watch it from this point on. What do you think? Or is there anything else that you want to mention? I think so, but we made a mistake. So can I just... Yes. Correct. Okay. So it's a speech to the Senate, not to, the, not to Congress. The Senate statement on PBS funding. You know what? You can't even paraphrase what he said to the Senate. So when mm-hmm. he went before the Senate to appeal, um, it was, well, it was a hearing around the PBS funding mm-hmm. um, amount. And you can't paraphrase it. What He speaks from the heart, from the soul, but very calmly. So you just need to go and watch it. But at the end, Senator Pastore says, I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. It looks like you just earned the $20 million. 
It's incredible. It's amazing. And it really is because you can see it's a very dramatic moment because they're just so against it. There's no way the senator wants anything got to do with this. He's just like dollar signs all the way across. And then this meek, nervous young man comes on. Soft-spoken. Soft-spoken. And, you know, he talks about how much he values children and and how much he, he values, like, teaching these things to children. And, like, what do you do with the mad inside you? It's just... Yeah, it really said it really said to me that you know when someone comes right up against you and they have such a strong sense of conviction in what they're doing, what they're saying. There's no denying that. There's no going around it. There's no ignoring it. When someone has that amount of conviction, the you know it blows everything out of the water. It doesn't matter if you're talking to the U.S. Senate. Yeah. Because we found out later on that he wasn't so comfortable in whether what at he the was beginning. doing. Would he, sorry? At the beginning. He wasn't at the beginning at all. And then he started to grow in as he started talking. But that he still, he was nervous. But you can tell he was even toned. And he had a soft well, you could, voice. You could hear that there was nerves in his voice. Yeah, at the beginning. But yeah. um, he came across as somebody who very much so was very confident in what they were saying, very driven in what they believed in. But much later on, we find that there was a letter where he doubted his ability after all these years. Still after all these years, he had this niggling doubt about whether he had an ability to do what he was trying to do. It was a humongous task. And I think a lot of that had got to do with the Superman thing because there was all these kids who had put on a cape and thought that they could fly and a couple of kids had been very severely injured and one or two of them had died jumping from buildings pretending to be Superman I I think a lot of his nerves though came from just the simple fact that all of the PBS funding for 20 million was riding on his shoulders oh I, I, at the time of mm. that speech yes but at the time that the letter was found where he started to doubt his life's work which was so valuable I think it was more along the lines of I thought I I thought all these kids knew that it's okay to just be yourself and that make believe is something different and that's all right but like it's okay to just be you you know so I think that that was the reason why he came back and did the Mr. Rogers talks series which were very hard hitting like by things like divorce and um death and world events and world events well he he covered the world events as he was going along but a fascinating documentary and just do you know what go and explore this yourself um obviously it's a doc that rocks Unfortunately, it's been Oscar nominated, but it hasn't won. Um, but it's definitely well worthy of the of the honor of the the nomination. So, if you like this documentary, other views, I suppose, on on childhood and documentary, um, they're very interesting, very varied. The first one would be he named me Malala, which is very very interesting. It's about the fight for girls' education. The Op series, which tracks through childhood development right up into adulthood. Actually, that would be interesting. Yeah, in, in, current, in, conjunction, yeah, with this. in conjunction with this. And on a completely other side of the spectrum, Child of Rage, about a child uh, psychopath. Incredibly good documentary and very disturbing. Mm-hmm. And I think that just about wraps it up for this week. I think so. And just any, if you just go to YouTube and look at... Um, videos on Mr. Rogers because there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and he did a lot of a lot of different ventures that he doesn't get credit for 
So, really? Mm, he did a lot of charitable stuff. He did a lot of charitable events, um, a lot of initiatives. You can tell even by the character of the man yeah. that he would have done those. So, yeah. But, um, hmm, very interesting. And number, 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 number one video to watch after you've watched this, if you haven't seen it, is the address to the Senate. Oh, 100%, because it's only a few minutes long. That's all it takes for this man to get his point across. I have to say, and I'm saying it now at this stage, there's a huge emotional response of watching this, particularly in the last few minutes. The ending is just so, it's powerful. It's really powerful. And this is coming from a woman who didn't know Mr. Rogers at the start of this. I didn't grow up, I, you know, with Mr. Rogers in my home. It's This isn't a person that I'm feeling sentimental about, but I feel like I've known him all my life. He's a resilient adult and one that I've attached to in just a short length of time. I'm sure he did the world of good for every child that watched him growing up. And you can see that in the tears that come to the adult's eyes when they meet him. So it's beautiful. Highly well recommended. Mm. So Tracy, it's goodbye for me. And it's goodbye for me. Goodbye. See you.